Welcome to episode 426 of The Sleeper and the Bust. It is Sunday, February 12th, the day before the labor draft, and we have a labor preview. I'm your host, Paul Spore, joined by Jason Collette, and we're doing a different episode today, Jason. We're going to actually talk, just talk through our plan for tomorrow and, and, and talk about some ideas that we have. We have a big uh, outline here, and obviously we're not going to release it before the draft, but it's going to give people an insight into exactly what we're thinking as we go through from the 10th pick this year. How you doing? Yeah, plan? What plan? Custer had a plan. That didn't work out well <laughs> for him either. Then again, our plans haven't worked out the last couple of years either. Uh, they really I think, haven't. honestly, my biggest thing this year is let's not do the, the, we gotta take this guy into 12th round because he's gonna be a massive closer. Two years ago, that was Ken Giles. And, uh, and stupid Ruben Amaro Jr. didn't trade Jonathan Papelbon away until too late in the year. Correct. Last year, Carter Caps never threw a pitch for us. Correct. This year, when we get to the 12th round, I don't care who Offensive was there. Offensive player. We are not taking a reliever. We're not, we're not taking, uh, let's see who, let's see who that could be. Who could be, who could Nick emulate Jones. that? Yep. It we're not, be we're Nick not... Jones unless there's a trade in the next 24 hours. Exactly. I don't care if he's there, not taking him. We're not, and I love Nate Jones this year. We're not bouncing up Addison Reed like, no, dude, because he's going to have to close to start, and it's going to be awesome, dude. We have to get him. Um, Sorry, Kyle Bearclaw. No, not working out for you either. Can't nope, none of these guys. Nope. That is our plan. I'm thoroughly convinced if we get rid of that Achilles heel problem, <laughs> we dominate. Well, let's let's dive right in because, like you said, history has not treated us kindly. Uh, we started well in 2014 and have progressively gone down. And our biggest issue every year, Jason, is is hitting, which is not surprising given given the focus that we put on pitching, both before uh, you know in the draft and in season. But the the hitting points from 2014 have gone 36, 22 and a half, and then just 16 and a half last year. We were nice. last in runs and homers in a season when everybody had homers. So, you know, the the pitching's been there 45, well, maybe not in 15, 45 and a half and 14, 36, and then 50 last year. feel like we can do something with 50 pitching points uh, if we have some offense. So it seems oh, yeah. like offense has to be something of a focus, yeah? Yeah, and uh, this is a 15-team league. Mm-hmm. So we're talking uh, that's out of 75 points in each side which to kind of frame how piss poor we were in hitting last year. 16 and a half out of 75 points. That is brutal. You know what's crazier? Is that we weren't last. Uh, the USA Today sports team, I don't know who run it, because all, all you get is a PDF of the previous yes. year, so I can't remember. Is I forgot, but I don't think thank that... goodness for you. If, if, yeah, thank goodness for that, and thank goodness for Jeff Erickson and AL Tout. Otherwise, I would have had two last place finishes. Thank, thankfully... Thankfully, we didn't. So we finished 11th last year. We have the 10th pick this year. Um, we talked about, you, you just mentioned one general idea that we have to do is not take <laughs> it, uh, an emerging closer in the 12th round. But let's focus a little bit on uh, on our hitting. Since it is such an issue, should we be stacking power early? Should we get, up, get, get that speed demon? We were, let's see, we got... Six and a half points in stolen bases last year. Obviously, that's down toward toward the bottom end. I feel like speed's probably been a consistent issue too. I didn't I didn't look up all three seasons. Still reluctant to target somebody like a Billy Hamilton, though. It, is that something that we should do, or do we do we 
you know, do we go Jonathan VR early? Not first round. We'll get to the first round here in a moment. But, like, what are some general ideas you think we should be looking at uh, around our hitting? Some general ideas is speed is is scarce. And I don't want to chase it. If we look at – just look at the steamer projections this year. I'm counting – 34 guys that are projected to steal at least 20 bases. That's really light. That's so uh, and by the way, if you're AL, NL, it, it, it's really light in the AL this year. But there's only 34 guys projected to steal as many as 20. There's only seven projected to steal as many as 40. And that now includes Peraza, whose projections got bumped up this morning with Brandon Phillips being traded to Atlanta. Mm-hmm. So it's light, man. I, I, you know, you and I have always been on the same page about the Billy Hamilton situation. Uh, where we prefer not to grab him, rather grab a, a more well-rounded type of speed guy. But once that speed, I mean, the top-heavy speed, we know Hamilton's going to be up high, VR's going to be up high, Turner's going to be up high, Certainly. Marte, Altuve, and Segura, and then is the, the, you know, Betts, obviously, and then it's like, okay, where do we, where do you go from there? And then it's like you wait around, and do you want to play the waiting game yeah, as everybody else starts overreaching later because they're like, oh, oh crap, steals are gone. Let me go grab a guy. We won't even have a chance at all of those guys, right? So some of those guys, like just the way that kind of the draft works out, that's a lot of consolidated uh, stolen bases early that you can't, you can't possibly get all of them. You might have cracks at a couple of them. Uh, but certainly not all of them. You know, maybe D. Gordon is a guy that we look at and 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 make a plan around. One of my issues with drafting these guys, though, is that you do have to kind of change change up your draft the way the way it goes because they are power yeah. deficiencies. But if we have that plan going in, we 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 can we can map it out to where where maybe it works. Let's let's talk about the first round, the tenth pick. Looking at NFBC data, that's kind of what we're using as a guide. We can be pretty confident that everyone in the draft is at least going to look at it. Doesn't mean they'll adhere to it. Um, we're both adamant about not getting, not, not being slaves to, uh, average draft position at all, especially in a draft like this. Folks are going to make their own picks and in your home leagues too. I think maybe even more in your home leagues than in something like an industry league where your, your, your opponents are going to make their picks. And, and some folks are not even going to have ADP data. They're just not going to care, particularly if you're doing a live draft. Obviously, average draft position can influence an online draft at the particular outlet that you're at. But when right. you're doing a, a live one, and this one isn't live. This one's going to be online, but it's at RT Sports. I don't think they have their own average draft position. So the guys. No, I think it's just, I think it's just streamed in, uh, the rent, the, on the draft room rankings. I think they're just streamed in from, um, the NFBC source. Okay, so if we're looking at the guys who, according to average draft position, will not make it to us, they've never, they don't have a max pick of 10 or later that would eliminate Trout, Betts, Bryant, Altuve, and Arenado. That's it. Everybody else has, has, that's kind of crazy. Right? That, that, that everybody else has been 10th pick or later. That's kind of crazy. I mean, so from that point, I'll, I'll work backwards a little bit. I mean, from that point, if Paul Goldschmidt somehow fell to 10 like he has in one of these drafts, mm-hmm. I need to change my shorts. I, I'm super happy that happens, right? It, it uh, seems impossible, and yet this is where he's, he's at seven right now. Right. So that, that's not too and, – and you can envision everyone going – Trout, Betts, Bryant, Altuve, Arenado, and Kershaw. You can envision all of them going ahead. Yeah, I could envision the the, the the first six guys that they have that you just rail. I, I could envision those being the first six picks. I'm not looking at who's you know who's in this draft. Yeah, and looking at what other influence. Like haven't that. said that. 
but I could see those six going and then, you know, maybe somebody's like, you know, I was willing to draft Bryce Harper in the top four last year. I'm sitting on the seventh pick. I'm going to take him. I'm going to take him again this year. And maybe that shuffles that order around. I don't, I know that I took, I took Scherzer 10th in the fantasy 411 mock mm-hmm. and somebody's taken him as high as three in the, in uh, NFBC so far, but I, I'm doubtful that he goes in the first nine picks in ours. I agree. Uh, you know, when we first found out we had the 10th pick, I think I jokingly tweeted out, you know, is it Harper, is it Donaldson, is it Scherzer, or is it Tuffy Gosowich? And, and it was close. Uh, I, I think Tuffy was, I think Tuffy was right there as a, as a final vote. It has to be. But it, it, if we learn, if the, the premise of this whole recording, or I started and said, hey, what we're not going to do is take that power reliever setup guy with our 12th round pick. And Trey Turner is there with the 10th overall pick. Do we repeat what we did last year and we took Carlos Correa ninth overall? Or if, if you, if we get down to the 10th pick and somehow it's Turner, it's, uh, looking at, looking at this right now, it's Turner, it's Scherzer, it's Donaldson, and maybe one of, let's say Goldschmidt, let's say Harper went and somebody went Machado and whatever. Um, and then Gold, I'm not gonna, let's take Goldschmidt out of it. Let's say Harper, no, I took Harper out of it already too. Scherzer, Turner, Donaldson, and Rizzo. Those are the four there sitting at the tenth pick. Mm. Give, going back on the speed thing, we had you know we had talked about, and how you and I are both really high on him. I honestly don't have a problem taking Trey Turner tenth overall. I uh, but I don't think he's going to be there. You don't think he's going to be there? That's really interesting. He is moving up the board faster than. Just about it. He's gone number one point. overall. Yeah, which is utterly insane. I want, I want some of whatever the person who did that smokes on a regular basis. Because All right, I've got the picks. I've got the, the picks stuff. around us. So, uh, I don't even care. You know, uh, fantasy fix. Uh, Brett and Allen are picking first. Jeff's uh, Erickson's second. Seeley's third. Murphy's four. Stefania's five. Gardner's six. Honestly, I don't see much of that going outside of, of chalk. Mm-hmm. Um, seven's Pianowski, eight Zinke, nine's Dr. Roto, and then it's us. Well, you know, Pianow and, and, and Zinke are really going to look, um, I, I don't think that they're going to venture too far out. They're going to get stable, strong assets like a Machado right. and a Goldschmidt. I don't see Goldschmidt making it. Um, it, they just don't strike me. You know, Pianow is always trying to rein people back in on, on their hysteria. Doesn't seem like a Turner pick. Uh, would be something he would do. In fact, probably more apt to mock it. Uh, Zinke being the nicest human being alive, certainly wouldn't mock it, but he's probably going to go again more stable in that Goldschmidt, Machado, Harper area. If Harper falls, I would really want Harper, right? He, yeah. He's nine. I'm not sure he's going to though. So I do think we are going to be having to be look, looking at, at, at another pick. The only issue I have with, with Turner is the risk. Because, uh, you know, he hasn't, he hasn't done it for a full season. Although, for me, I've been kind of projecting like, yeah, the power is going to, to push back, right? He's probably going to hit the same amount of homers in the entire season. The 13 that he had last year, probably what he's going to do over the entire year. I don't care about that. I'm looking at the 40 stolen bases and the potential of like 100 runs if he's batting at the top of that lineup, second behind Eaton or, or however they want to go there. I feel like that could be, that could, I mean, he's still a three category guy at that point when you're talking average, 
runs, stolen bases, and then not a deficiency completely in homers if he's getting double digits. So Turner, I mean, another thing we have to remember, right? He kind of snuck up on everybody last year. This guy, when he was at yeah. NC State, there was 1-1 talk, right? And then he, right. he kind of fell off a little bit and and obviously ended up going 13th to the Padres. Slick move, Padres. Way to get rid of that guy. And Joe Ross. Um, listen, I love Will Myers, but holy crap, did they mess up on that one. I, I, I want one of the more stable guys to fall. Harper, Goldschmidt, Machado, Donaldson, something in the, in that four pack. But I'm not completely averse to taking Trey Turner. So I don't know if he's going to, when I'm looking up, so we said Dr. Roto's picking ninth. I, I, this is why I love looking at Twitter. Um, he did a, a radio appearance on Fantasy Sports Radio on the 24th. Trey Turner is a winning pick. If he gets 18 homers and steals 60 bases, is there a better player in fantasy baseball? Oh. Oh. So, um, <laughs> given oh. that, uh, given that, I don't think he's going to be there at the 10th pick. Uh, so I, but I could see him falling to nine. I just don't see him falling to us, which is okay, which, because that means somebody, has somebody else, then. somebody else has to fall. We have to get like a Goldie Machado or Harper at that point, right? I'm not so. The way pitching is this year, it's hard to go against the potential of a Scherzer. I'm a little gun shy on it, only because of our offensive woes uh, so consistently, and I honestly feel that we don't have to go early on pitching because we're going to find it in the middle and late rounds and then in season as well. And I think the numbers kind of bear that out at least two of the last three seasons where we've had strong enough pitching to at least compete if the offense was anywhere near uh, quality. And, yeah, we only had 50 pitching points last year, which that alone probably wouldn't have been enough to do it. But if we're competing, then I think we enhance uh, our, our team a lot more in season, right? We were making sure we kept a full roster in those last couple months, but we weren't bending over backwards to get everything done. So you look at 50 on a bad season, uh, I think we can push that up to kind of the 55 that you probably need to win the league, but then we obviously need 40, 40 plus more points in hitting. And so I want to go with a stable hitter in the first round. Yeah, so we're not going to go, we're not going to go chalk. We're not going to take Scherzer and then Noah Syndergaard and then Ruffin Odor and Billy Hamilton, that, that's, uh, Mark those, Melanson and Justin Upton. That would be chalk on the first six picks. That, those would be our picks based on ADP. <laughs> uh, I just highlighted, I just took the NFBC ADP and highlighted all of our picks. Those would be the picks and we're not going to do that. We're not going to come close to anything like that. It's kind of interesting though that Scherzer and Syndergaard would be the first two picks. Hey, we'd have pitching locked up, but then we would be right back where we are without offense. Um, yeah. No pitcher, pitcher for us, but uh, yeah, I'm not. I I too want to go offense in the first round. Um, as as much as I mean, I was clearly fine taking Scherzer where I did in the mock draft, mm-hmm. um, but it was only because I didn't like the bats as much. I, I think I remember saying something to you, you know, around. I, I could have gone Harper, but everybody else does, and I'm like, you know what? Let's try it. I want a different plan. Mox, too, right? Mox are for experiment, not exactly. not to go completely off the reservation, but to, to try something else out. So I said, okay, because I knew I wanted to take Turner on the backswing, and I got Turner, uh, you know, in the second round. So I knew I was going to go that round, and to see, okay, how how far is he going to slip down? He ended, I ended up getting him the fourth pick of the second round, uh, but that was really it. Uh, so 
but I too would like to go a well-rounded offense first round. What I really liked is that you were still able to get uh, some power influence there. Obviously, Nelson Cruz, 40 homer stud the last three years. Daniel Murphy, strong power asset, Hanley Ramirez. So that's how you got your offense going with that Trey Turner. And that was taking him in the second. Obviously, he's not going to make it to the second. Right. It's first or bust. So, um, you know, he could be an option, but as you're saying, he might not even be there. So we can look at a Harper, Goldschmidt, Machado, Donaldson, one of those four. I think we're going to end up with a strong power bat in the first round. So we're not going to go round by round. Instead, we're going to go by position and kind of talk about what our game plan is, talk about some players we like, put some stars next to some people, probably put some skull and crossbones next to some others that we're just not interested in drafting. But let's right. start with outfield because I figure that um, we'll probably uh, – Give some of these positions short shrift because they don't need a whole lot. So let's start with the with the the one you need the most at the one that probably deserves the most attention, which is the outfield. If we get a power stud early like Harper, do we try to get a second one like Stanton, Cruz, Martinez? So we have two guys who could possibly give us eighty plus homers. Um, how would you feel about backing up two? Two two big home run outfielders in the first say three rounds. I would like it because you know we've talked about this in the past. Home runs have gone up two straight years. They have never ever gone up three straight years. And to me, that's where I'm kind of looking at everything and saying, okay, we saw a, a big jump from fourteen uh, from fifteen to six uh, from fourteen to fifteen, and even larger jump from fifteen to sixteen. What do we have? Or, you know, what do we have here coming into this year from 16 to 17? So I want to bring power down a little bit. We're thinking that's going to make it more valuable mm-hmm. in my regard. Whereas in speed, Absolutely. if ever, if nobody else's, if speed is down across the league, you don't need as much to win that category. But if power's down a little bit across the league, then it'd be nice to have the top end of it. Having that top end speed guy and that top end uh, home run then allows you to do some things elsewhere down the draft. And honestly, I man, I like Cruz quite a bit. I did take him in the other one um, over Stanton. It's just that health issue is tough. And, and Cruz, three straight years of 40 home runs. It, it doesn't matter if it was in a favorable ball, ballpark or First, one. Yeah. It doesn't favor. It doesn't yeah. matter. He just keeps hitting them. The, the, the uh, dude's been, and the lineup's better in front of him too. That's what I. That's what I really like about him. Exactly. And, and the batting uh, average is better. Three hundred two, two eighty seven, even two seventy one in the Baltimore year back in twenty fourteen. You can live with that, but three hundred two, two eighty seven the last two years. Uh, you're looking at him. He's been a true four category guy. Nelson Cruz has with the runs, RBIs, homers, and average. Um, he's going to be thirty six, but I, I mean, it, it's hard to be uh, you know against what he's been able to do. And I think the fact that he is going to be thirty six kind of pushes his price down a little bit relative to to maybe where he should go if he was right. three four years younger. I mean, he has an average draft position of forty one. It's not like he's free. But uh, I do think that there is some 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 net value there with a Nelson Cruz. So I think we could go with two power studs relatively early, and uh, that would set us up to maybe take a D Gordon, like I mentioned, or, or or some other speed demon down the line. That would be something that where we'd be planning early for it. And even if we don't do it, that's okay. But we would have the option. Uh, sticking in the outfield, I of course the huge surprise. I love Ian Desmond. I think that uh, I, I, I like that his price is I think fair, and I don't I don't think that this draft is apt to push him up. He's at a 56 ADP right now. He has been moving up 
lately. Um, he was in the 60s, so average uh, average draft position in NFBC. They're starting to move up on him. He's been a min pick of 20, max pick of 105. That's probably the biggest split of anybody in like the top 75. Um, so somebody really really jumped him up there. I, I don't think it was me. I don't think I took him 20th in a draft. But uh, I, I just think Desmond, you look what he's been able to do with the 2020 seasons. And he's going to go to Colorado. I think at worst, at worst, he repeats. And he just does what he did last year, which was 20 homers, 86 ribbies, 21 stolen bases, uh, maybe not 107 runs, but plenty of runs on that team in a 285 average. Because he did have a 350 BABIP, but he is, uh, 326 for his career. He's got a couple years over 330. I don't think the BABIP is necessarily going to fall down in Colorado. I just I love Ian Desmond. I think I think he's somebody that we could definitely get in that fifth, sixth round range, and and I like the fact that you know he'll add first base eligibility. That's not that's not a game changer. First base is not something we usually need, but any guys that have extra flexibility, I like. Right. Yeah, right. And man, it would be tough for the Babbitt to fall down in Colorado just with the extra real estate. That's yep. the. I mean. It gets lost on people sometimes, but you have to go there to really truly appreciate how damn big that outfield is. So massive. And you play people back to cut off the gap, turning doubles into triples, and that just leaves that that soft contact. That's where everything else comes into play. It's you get that full swing and you, you get some soft contact, and it falls in between. And you know you get fifteen, you get fifteen of those a season. Um, this crash date, you know, one more duck snort, uh, dying quail, something like that. And all of a sudden there's your, there's your extra 25 points. So yeah, I do like him. I think there's overall with the outfield class. I mean, it's, this is me. Maybe, maybe this is just my thoughts. It is, it's top heavy to me. Like at the first 15 guys um, by ADP, I'm like, yeah, cool. And then I start getting down below and then I start finding flaws. You, oh, you start After finding 15. flaws quick. You're right. And, 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 and they're persistent. Everyone has some sort of flaw. And I think that that's going to make it interesting because obviously there's going to be some breakouts within that group. Uh, and, and identifying them could, could kind of be the game changer. Let's, let's focus on some bounce backs first. And I'm going to name some names. And if you have some others to add that, that's fine as well. But also let me know who you like here. Bounce backs, Andrew McCutcheon. Justin Upton, of course, he, he turned it on late and, and still ended up having a pretty decent season. Right. Jose Batista, our boy Carlos Gomez, Randall Gritchick, Hunter Pence, Yasiel Puig. Those are the guys I've identified as strong potential bounce backs. So, for, I mean, Kutch moving the right field, I think, will help him. Uh, he's played center field is, is a grind. Center field and shortstop, the two most physically taxing positions in front of home plate exactly. that, that there are, and it wears on you, and it slows you down, and it definitely did with him last year. He has played, and he's barely missed time in the last, what, seven seasons, mm-hmm. and moving a right field should help him. I think it'll it'll help him come back somewhat at the plate, but not back to the – do I take Andrew McCutcheon in the top five overall picks? No, not I think right now, OPS or anything. Yeah, it, but it's definitely going to help him uh, with some comeback. Upton definitely surged in the second half. I forgot the other guy that re- oh Hanley Ramirez. Those were the two guys that were just like neck and neck over the final eight to ten weeks of the season that were driving a lot of fantasy titles because both guys were likely picked up on the cheap if you could have made a trade for him at that point, and they did all their damage in the back half. Gomez, once he left Houston, uh, really took off for Texas. You know, I'm probably the wrong guy to talk to about Pence and Puig because every year 
well, at least with Pence, I underrate him, but the, his consistency. Well, uh, his consistency is good. I mean, he got hurt, but when he plays skills wise, he's really good. He's starting uh, to get hurt though, and, and and part of Hunter yeah. Pence's appeal was that he was going to log those 650 plate appearances, so he had solid skills across the board for tons of playing time. Now the inj- the the knickknack injuries have started to pile up, and even some catastrophic ones. 52 and 106 games the last two seasons. Uh, but the skills are still there. If you look at his, his full season rates over the last two years, it's still 91 runs, 23 homers, 100 ribbies, only six stolen bases. He, he doesn't run much anymore, at least not the last two seasons. And that probably contributes, or th- those injuries contribute to that in age 34. He's probably unlikely to start doing it again, but, uh, his price has really tanked compared to where Hunter Pence used to go. He's down at pick 204. And I kind of like that. Um, I, I feel like he's somebody we could we could consider. I still love Puig. He's even cheaper, 225. At that point, he doesn't really need to do anything. And now I know I I believe we bet on him in this league last year. Yeah, we uh, did with like a fifth round pick though. So down here, I I, I don't see much risk. It, it depends though. Jeff Erickson's going to be hot on him as well. Could bump him up. And, and I'm, I'm down with not overpaying. We can find other guys. I love Yasiel Puig. I still think that, you know, if the hamstrings stay healthy for a year, it could be special, but there are other guys in this range that I'd be comfortable with. Even, even somebody like I mentioned in this list, Randall Gritchuk, who had a, a down season for him as well and still popped 24 homers. His power is insane. And again, I think that that's going to be a theme that we should kind of focus on is stacking up power. Right. Um, because if it does backslide a little bit, or even if it stays, if it stays, it's still very important, right? Power's never not extremely important in fantasy baseball because of what, if the fact that it contributes to the other two, uh, all three categories, really, uh, it's a run, it's an RBI at least, and, and it's a, a, a point, some points of batting average. So I, I think focused on power can never hurt us. I agree. I, that's where I'd like to err on the side of power. It's more, Obviously, it helps runs, helps with runs driven in, and it's movable. It's a counting category that if we need to do something with, we can do something with. Um, so yeah, I don't honestly, of, of the names in that entire list, I think Bautista's the one that concerns me the most. I know he gets on base a ton, but that shoulder ain't right. And no, we could we see it because he's not throwing. Yeah, and you can see it in the velocity. So when he's not throwing, and th- so you know the shoulder's not right. Let's see what happens. You know, if if we end up taking him, he's not a guy that I want to reach for at at all, given the past history. But if a shoulder's not right, the power's not right, and that's ultimately uh, concerning me. I think that's completely fair. And you know, again, you look at a Gritchuk. I know Gritchuk's batting average is is probably even worse potentially than than Bautista's if you're if you're making a projection. But at the cost disparity, I think Gritchuk would be the guy between the two. I mean, when you look at, when you look at where Bautista's being taken behind him, there are a number of guys that I like better, that I think are safer than him. Uh, for the particular skill, if you're chasing the skill, then the argument's a little more narrow. But if you're, if you're chasing the, you know, getting on base, hitting for average, those types of things, I think there's better arguments down the line. I agree. I agree. Better options. Let's look at some uh, potential breakouts here. Here's the names I've got. Gregory Polanco, who I'm really high on. Marcelo Zuna, same if he can stay healthy. I mean, he was he was on his way to a breakout season before he got hurt last year, and then and then it kind of fell apart. Kevin Kiermeyer, Jock Peterson, Keon Broxton, Nomar Mazzara, and Brandon Drury. 
All right. Um, the the Peterson thing I'm a bit concerned about because he's going to hit down in the lineup, and they just added Franklin Gutierrez, which tells me, hey, uh, Jock, if you don't get your stuff together against lefties, we're going to let Gutierrez come in. And Gutierrez, that's the one thing he still does. He breaks left-handed oh, he, pitching. He crushes them. And, I mean, I think one of the main reasons that Gutierrez isn't an everyday player is because of his health, too. Right. And so if he had to be pinched into some, some more playing time against righties as well, I think that that could happen. So, um, I actually, I don't mind Gutierrez in like a reserve round capacity for us as well, even if we, even absent, uh, us getting jock. He, he, Gutierrez was able to hit righties in 15 and then was disastrous last year. He's been really used as a platoon though. It's almost like that left. And that's guy. how he should be though. Yeah. That's how he should be. I mean, this is to me, he's out there and then, you know, Jock's the best center field option on this team, but against lefties, maybe you put Andrew Tolles in center field or you let Puig play center field because Gutierrez is really a corner guy at this point. Uh, but that to me, when I saw that signing, I'm having a tough time seeing Peterson get over the, the, the 525 to 550 plate appearance plateau mm-hmm. because of this, because of that situation. So that kind of stood out to me with him. But otherwise, I do like him. Uh, Keon Broxton is a guy I liked last year. I thought he was going to leave Milwaukee in steals. And uh, until VR came well, out of VR, nowhere to yeah. do what he did, he Broxton sure was on his happen. way. Broxton was on his way to do that. Uh, Kiermaier is probably going to lead off for the team, which, which will help because, uh, it, when he came back from his injury last year, he was a different type of guy, uh, especially on the stolen base side of things. I mean, to me, he's a guy that has the, he has the speed to steal 25 plus bags. And if he does what he did in the second half last year, reading those pitchers moves, picking his spots and want to run, that's good. Uh, yeah, I, he's never going to be the fully disciplined type of guy. I know his walk rate went up a little bit last year, but you look at, you know, throughout as the season got on, he started getting back into that aggressive mode again. Uh, so ultimately I think that limits some of that speed upside. Uh, Ozuna, you just watch him and you're like, yeah, yeah, I want that guy. It's, it's really tough to overlook him. But when I was mentioning, uh, guys that I really like that I, I'm seeing low, um, Adam Eaton right now is the 30th guy, and he's got a 100 ADP of 130. He's barely snuck into the top 100. To me, I think that this is, of all the names that are on this list, I typed Eaton in all caps after I saw your list because I think he's a top 100 guy. If he's going to hit, he's either going to hit first or second in that Nationals lineup, either in front of Turner or behind him. He's going to have the guys behind him. He's going to have a manager that loves to run. He gets on base a ton. To me, this is a guy that's going to score 100-plus runs. He's going to steal 20-plus bags. You know he's going to hit for average. I'm in. Uh, and I'm I'm big on Adam Eaton this year. I'm in. Um, yeah, I, I agree. You know, and I was I was defending the trade based on on the merits of of Eaton's skills, and I think he's better than some folks gave him credit for. Uh, obviously, we're talking more in the fantasy realm, so we're not concerned with his defense, which there are some concerns about him going back to center field. How's that going to work? I don't think that affects his fantasy outlook, though. Uh, this is a guy who I think we're not going to get a total zero from in, in power, but we're going to get boatload of runs, and there's there's some speed upside, too. He's, he's gone 15, 18, 14. And the or the uh, the rates haven't been amazing. Nine, eight, and five caught stealing. But with the right team, Dusty Baker, Davey Lopes, I think I think we're going to get our first twenty steal season from Adam Eaton. So I'm I'm adding him to the list, and I'm 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 putting a little uh, the little star by him. I think that that's somebody that we can definitely focus on. And if we get two of Polanco, Eaton, Ozuna, and Kiermaier, uh behind our our at least one stud, 
I right. know, cause I think we'll end up with at least one power stud early on. I like that. I like that as a top three outfielders and then we, and then we kind of play, um, in the, in the later rounds for the last two. Let's talk some speed assets. Oh, um, oh go ahead. A, a bounce back that we didn't, where do you put, where does Jason Hayward fit? I would, I'm intrigued. I would pay. I'm intrigued by what he's doing. Okay, because I'm intrigued with what he's doing this offseason with changing this swing. I refuse. And you know he's gonna. You know he'll run. He's another guy. Yeah. He's another guy that Don't has a manager that likes to run, and he's wait. He's barely in the top sixty. Yeah, he's going. Uh, that's another name. League. That's another name that's going to intrigue me late as a fifth outfielder. Yep. So I'm 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 fully in on that, and I do think that if if we get our stud out front, at least one stud, then we get two of those four. Um, and, and then a Hayward, and we start, we start filling out with, with our, our bounce backs with Hayward as one of them, and then we kind of look from there. I'm, I keep zoning in on Grichuk, but maybe one of these speed assets would be good too, because there's a guy right around Grichuk in Hayward who I think we could get a speed asset from as opposed to paying up. So let, let's transition to them. Billy Hamilton, Odabel Herrera, Rajay Davis, Gerard Dyson, Manuel Margot, Travis Jankowski, Ben Revere, Malik Smith, and Roman Quinn, uh, I'll point out the, the guy I was focused on there was Rajay Davis, who would be, again, pick 211 later, uh, later round guy that, uh, you know, we're going to get plenty of speed from still. I, I still think he's going to continue to run. He's, that's about a 15th rounder. Uh, and, and his power isn't a total zero. And I like the guys who are at least not a total zero. He can do double digits again. Maybe not in Oakland, but g- give me eight. But I still think it's going to be 40 stolen bases. They're going to play him. They have no reason not to, even against righties. I don't care that his batting average isn't great. We can kind of plan around that. Um, and, and there's still maybe the upside of him bouncing back to like 270 too. But even if he just kind of does what he did last year, I kind of like Rajay among these uh, these speed demons. I like him. Um, I actually like Manny Margot a little better. You see, you seeing some some breakout potential here? Is he going to start the the season with the Padres? I feel he will. I feel he will. I feel he'll also lead off for them. That'd be great. And you saw what they allowed Will Myers to do last year yep. in the running game. And, and, go, oh, he runs. And, and he, he hit for, you look, and you look at what he did, but you look at what he did in the minors last year. Uh, high contact rate, walk rate was good, is hit for average in all the different levels, and, you know, let him lead off. They don't really have that true leadoff hitter. Jankowski strikes out a ton. Mm-hmm. Uh, and, you know, they may hit him down lower in the lineup, but I like Margot a lot. He was one of my bold predictions that I make it, uh, that I made at Rotowire about it, but I think he's going to hit high in that lineup and they have to run. They don't have much, uh, much other way to produce offense up in the top of that lineup. And so I, I, I like him quite a bit. And in fact, one of my worries with, um, with Davis is as he plays full time, that batting average is going to come down. So he's going to have the steals and runs, but the batting average where it may have been higher in the past uh, or de- league average in the past, I think comes down a little bit more because of the overexposures to the same handed pitching. I, I think that's fair. And I think that's something that we saw last year when, when he hit 249, Rajay Davis did. So Manuel Margot currently slotted into the center field spot on roster resource batting second, first or second, obviously would totally work. They do have Jankowski first. Um, who's, who's somebody else we could consider, but I like Margot better as well. Um, I, you talk about overexposed like Rajay Davis. I think that's going to happen with Gerard Dyson too. I don't know. I, I, I think there's yeah. some love for him that that's probably going to send his price higher than his ADP. Keep in mind these ADPs have been running probably since November. I think at the at the latest uh, early December. 
That's that the latest that they started, but probably some in, in November when he was still on KC. So they're just kind of catching up. So looking at him at 269, I think is, is foolhardy. I, I don't, I don't think it's correct if we were to say, okay, we can get him in the 16th through 19th round. I, I don't think that's going to happen. Uh, his min pick is 172. I think he's going to be bouncing back up. Maybe not firmly into the top 200, but, but probably the top 225. So I think that that bounces him way up. And, and kind of takes us out of contention there because Margot is all the way down at uh, 254. And I don't really see him moving too much from that. I yeah, think I don't that's, either. That's going to be his range. I also like Malik's. Is he going to start the season with the team? I, I think he may, only because uh, Colby Rasmus may not. Uh, okay. You know, he had the off-season surgery, so he may not be ready to start the season. Um, and if he's not, I think Malik's does come up as the uh, as the reserve guy. Um, to that point, and uh, and that's a raw yeah. speed demon. And I just got yeah. done saying earlier, I don't love those. I don't love them when they're expensive. I'm less right. concerned when, if you're a speed only guy when you don't cost anything. And and Malik Smith does not cost anything, so I'm See, okay. He's with just that. a reserve. He's a reserve grab because yeah. again, you've got you, they could open the uh, they could open opening day with a uh, with a Dickerson, with a Kiermaier, and with a, a Sousa outfield like they finished last year. But do we and prefer, then you could have then you could have Smith as your as your fourth guy. Do we prefer Ben Revere who goes? Right around him. Can Revere be any worse? Can he no, know? he can't. He can't be. And and so I'm not. I'm not geeked on Ben Revere. I'm not. I'm not going to lie and sit here and be like, oh, I, we got to have Ben Revere. But I feel like he could be a total gem. I mean, he. It, it was so bad last year, and a lot of it looks like some just some rotten luck. This dude was a rock solid steals average guy for four straight years. He averaged. Uh, 303 batting average with 36 stolen bases. That was his average. Not, not his 162 extrapolated. That was, he would have 45 steals if he got full seasons. He has to play in LA, right? I mean, I, I love Cameron Maben as a player, but he doesn't stay healthy. I, I just, I, I've, I've always liked him. He was coming up as Tiger. And of course, I have a fondness in, in my heart for him because he, he yielded, um, he yielded Miguel Cabrera for the Tigers. So it, it's hard to dislike. Cameron Maven, but I just don't know that he's going to stay healthy enough to take a lot of time away from Revere. So I, I think Revere might even be a better option than uh, than Malik Smith in that late round area. Yeah, I mean the value is in the complete tank, and uh, he is going to uh, to hit high. I just we got torched last year by him. I know, I know. But if he's there, if he's there, and we're looking at it and saying, "Geez, if it's that late, let's grab some steel." Yeah. yeah. If it's that late and we haven't really done any, done anything great with steals yet and we're, we've kind of piecemealed it, he could right. be a, a big infusion late. I also like Ramon Quinn. Not sure what, what his outlook looks like right now, but that could be some nice arbitrage because if he does come into camp and start looking like he's going to take a spot, then we got him way cheaper. So that's kind of the interesting thing about this draft too is that there's a lot unsettled. You can kind of make up some, some ground on certain players. Yeah. The, uh, the late round stuff, this is where I think we can really help out, you know, help ourselves out. I mean, there are, especially in the outfield, yes. there are so many guys down there. We already mentioned Mitch Hanniger, a guy that I, I like quite a bit there. Uh, Corey Dickerson, who, who hit with power. Say what you want about the average not happening. And he really started off slow last year, making the league adjustment, but picked it up in the second half. He dropped 20 pounds this offseason. Uh, so looking more cut. 
and he's wait. What is he? The seventy fifth outfielder. He's just down there right yeah, now. He, maybe, he, maybe even further than that. These are all guys that are going pick three hundred or later on average. I got Michael Conforto, Shinsu Chu, Andrew Tolles, Alex Gordon, Corey Dickerson, Alex Dickerson, and Mitch Hanniger. See, I like Dickerson. Dickerson and Hanniger is the best out of those. Okay. I, I mean, I'm I'm totally down. On Hanniger, down being, I'm down to pick him, not down on him. Um, Corey Dickerson, I, I thought he was going to hit more, um, outside of Colorado, so I actually still feel confident that we're going to see more out of him as well. I, I, I'm not terribly concerned. Like, obviously the batting average will stay down relative to where it was in Colorado, but I think it's better than a 245. I think he could hit 265 with, uh, you know, approaching 30 homers, really. I, I and he gets his splits, and he, he'll sit against lefties. I mean, they used them at times. They had to use them against lefties because they just was nothing else mm-hmm. um, that they had to play. But I mean, he, when you look at what he did, you know, the first half he had two thirty last year, and the second half he had two sixty three or two, but slugged four eighty one. I mean, he was about ten percent above league average offensively in the second half, considering everything else that had happened uh, to him. So, you know. I like him as a late power play. His value is a bit depressed because of what happened last year, but I still think he falls into 20 homers. What about Shinsu Chu? Um, I, I don't know what to make of him at this point, but he is completely forgotten. Uh, he's going pick 332 on average, 79th outfielder off the board. I know there's some playing time crunch in Texas, but I don't know that it's going to affect him, particularly against right-handers. I mean, they're paying him way too much money to just hide him. I don't know that they can hide him. You know, he's making 20 mil. And even in last year's, you know, it was, it was a bad season. He only had 210 plate appearances and he wasn't great. It was, it was a weird one though, because he actually hit lefties better in a small sample, 56 plate appearances compared to 154 against righties where he wasn't great. But he's always been somebody who hits righties throughout his career. Is there any love for Shinsu Chu, uh, at age 34? He turns 35 during the season. I mean, not really. I mean, when you see, when you start to see a guy, um, hit better against same side, we, we start to see that with veterans later in their career. They start, if you look back at some of those guys, they'll do better against same-sided hitting. Part of the appeal to Chu was always that he hit lead, got on base a ton, hit leadoff, and was able to score you some runs. Now you look at it and, you know, roster resource hasn't projected to hit second, but you could easily see that going down if Andrus, you know, we talked about Elvis Andrus, by the way, another guy I really like this year. Um, but we talked about him and him playing hurt with that sports hernia last year, not being able to run, but he was getting on base. And, and for me, unless you're looking to break up the righties at the top of that lineup, I don't know why you have Andrus hitting way down there in the bottom of the lineup. I'd rather have Chu and, and put the pressure on the defense to have that Gomez uh, and Andrus at the top of the lineup, or hell, even have Andrus leading off, but put more of that pressure to set up Beltre and Napoli um, in the middle, and Odor at the middle part of that order. But I, I don't lineup. see Chu. Yeah, I, I don't see I don't see Chu staying at the top of this lineup, and to me, that's always been his appeal. That's fair. That's fair. Um, we'll, we'll, we'll see, we'll see what, where, where it is when, when we get to him, uh, in the draft. What about an Andrew Tolls? This was somebody who made a nice impression last year, uh, toward the end of the season. Former guy from the, from the Tampa Bay organization had some personal stuff that got him off track, some, some mistakes, if I recall correctly, uh, that, that kind of almost cost him his entire career. Of course, the Tampa regime is out there with Andrew Friedman in L.A. They brought him back. He zipped through the minors, again, finished with a flurry, 
had some some flashes in the playoffs as well. Had a couple bad throws, but had some offensive flashes that kind of kept his name on the radar as well. But uh, I don't think he's going to be somebody who's super expensive. Do you see any potential breakout here? Uh, I like him as a reserve guy and to see what happens. I mean, he's got tons of athletic ability. You just watch him and you're like, wow. Um, but I take him as a reserve. I don't think there's any need to take him as a, as a fifth outfielder or utility type during the active part, but the skill set intrigues me to, to grab him, to grab him in the reserve round. Okay. Uh, let's move over to catcher and I I put catcher second because it's always a problem for us. Always. And we're always left saying, we'll wait, we'll wait, we'll wait. And then. It gets to, okay, we got some targets, like a Yasmani Grandal or something. Then he goes, and then we have, okay, here's our backup, and then he goes. God, last year was so terrible and in that regard. It just kept happening. And so we kept punting it down the line, and, and we end up chasing catcher all year, really. Um, that, that That's what ends up happening. So the average draft position thing, I, I only identified it because it did give us two catchers in, in relatively uh, early fashion there. It gave us Real Muto and Yadi Molina in the 8th and 13th. I'm not saying we got to go for those guys. Um, it could be a boon to our batting average insofar as, as catchers will influence that. But I've got some interesting names from the pick 100 to 200 and then some 200 after. Uh, in 100 to 200 range, I've never been a huge fan of this guy, but he's catcher eligible again, and he's going to pop 30-plus homers, Evan Gaddis. Uh, I already mentioned Yasmani Grandal. He's been a target of ours virtually every year. Nothing changes this year. Wellington right. Castillo out in Camden. And then Matt Wieners doesn't have a team yet, and that could that could keep him keep him depressed by a couple rounds, and could create some some surplus value there. Not that he's elite, but but wherever he goes, he's going to play for sure. So those are the four names I came up with in the in the 100 two hundred pick range. I mean, I like him. Uh, I really have no idea where Wieners is going to end up and what he's going to do. Uh, Gaddis is I, I, again going back to my my Rajai Davis issue. I think. It's going to help Gaddis. He's going to get more playing time uh, in the in a DH capacity, hit more home runs, but the overexposure is really going to pull down his average. That said, 230 and 25 bombs from a catcher would be about the sum of what all of our catchers have done in fantasy and for labor, period. In the last three years, total. Yes, total. Total. <laughs> Add up all their hits, divide their at-bats, and you may get to like 210 uh, at about 12 homers. So I have, I have no problem with that. I mean – and the other guys I'm cool with. One of the things, uh, you know, a question I had because he's he's in the 200 range though. Uh, where do you fall in the Wilson Ramos situation? I, I'm in. I actually almost included him. Okay. Now it's something that we're we're going to be waiting, right? But but right. our our last four months should be good from him. So and then we, you, and then it would necessitate drafting somebody in the reserve rounds. You know, if we get some. You know, some schmuck who's, who we know is going to play and not completely decimate us like a James McCann. Um, Tony Walters. Yeah, Cause that so, job, honestly, that, can't, that Colorado job is still not settled. It, it, it's more wide open than I'd like to believe as a Tom Murphy fan. Um, but I fully get it and I would take a Tony Walters, uh, somebody like that for sure. Even like a Tyler Flowers again, who's going to play for sure. And that, that, that's it. We could get some playing time for the first couple of months while we wait for Ramos to get back. And then once he starts getting back and DHing, we slot him in as our as our secondary catcher. Looking at the guys 200 later or later, I like Stephen Vogt, Tom Murphy, Cameron Rupp, and Derek Norris. Norris, I do like Norris. This is another guy cannot be worse. Utterly disastrous season on every level possible. It, 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 
did he have like 15 nagging injuries? Like this was yes. horrific. And he hit 186, still managed 14 homers uh, in 458 plate appearances. Going back to Washington where it all started for him. He hasn't played in them, uh, played with them in the majors, but uh, that's where it all started. I kind of like him. I would do a a, a Washington themed catcher of Norris and Ramos, and then get that backup in the uh, in in the in the reserve rounds. Yeah, I, I I like Norris quite a bit. Being dinged up as the way he was, we know he can hit for pop. He's going to be hitting the bottom part of that uh, that Nationals lineup that still has a lot of good stuff in front of it. Uh, and remember, he ran a little bit last year too. So it'll be curious yep. to see how that happen, how that plays out. What about uh, a couple bounce backs in addition to Norris, Jan Gomes, or Devin Mazzarocco? Any of those? Any of those get you at all? Mazzarocco was so so stinking cheap. Um, that's the that's the thing about Mazzarocco. Before he went down to love them, but so many surgeries. You're like, all right, right. what? What do we do now? Um, it's been bad. It's been bad. That's like, I, that's I like him better late. than Gomes. I like him better than Gomes. What about Austin? This is not a bounce back. This is like a more of a breakout type. But I didn't do a breakout section. What about Austin Hedges? He he hit in the minors last year. Um, really for the first time that we've ever seen him hit. Hitting was never supposed to be his game. He was supposed to be a catch-and-throw guy who was going to be guaranteed playing time because he was so exemplary behind the plate and had a big, big season in El Paso, 21 homers, 82 ribbies, 326 average, 356 OBP, so he doesn't walk much. He only got like a less than 30-point split there, but a 597 slug. I know PCL... And El Paso, I know that that influences it, but this is a guy yeah. who didn't hit anywhere else, and and, he, and he's had other friendly environments. So maybe there's a little something there at age 23 where he he's kind of bu- busting out any love for uh, Austin Hedges. I I actually think that's going to cause them to get over. You know, b- people have been talking about his glove and arm forever, absolutely, and that he couldn't hit enough, and all of a sudden he hits out of nowhere. Color me pessimistic. That's, um, not, that's fine. I'm actually with basically you. color me pessimistic. Bring him up. Yeah. Uh, okay. Let's let's move on then. Let's go to first base and kind of talk about uh, what's going on there. You got six picks in the first thirty uh, from first base, ten in the top one hundred. They're actually all eighty two or earlier. Uh, and then th- then there's kind of a drop off. The last two guys before what I perceive as the drop off, and you, you can let me know if you disagree, because it's Hanley or it's Jose Abreu at 64, Hanley at 80, pick 83, and then it drops off in like the Hosmer, Carl Santana, Pujols, Adrian Gonzalez, Brandon Belt area. I think I want one of those top 10. How do you feel about first base? Uh, Hanley is the guy that I like. I took him in the other draft. I mentioned, you know, he had 26 of his 30 home runs after mid-June. He made a, a big mechanical change at the plate, uh, you know, brought his hands lower so he wasn't doing the up, down, up thing, wasting time. You know, the mechanical changes led to a lot of power. Uh, I am big Hanley fan going into this season. Uh, I have him for $18 in an AL home league and I'm absolutely keeping him at that price and that, and he's going to move up in that lineup, and if that lineup performs, if if um, Betts and Bogarts and Ben Tandy and Pedroia, all those pieces do what they are projected to do, he, Hanley could have a huge year. Uh, yeah. And to me, I, I think honestly, I think Hanley is a top uh, a top seven guy. I would take him over Brayu, and I would take him over Chris Davis. I would take him over Will Myers. Then Hanley's our target because I'm fully in on that. I think we. I think it's clear that the really only thing that the only thing that's really stopped him lately was running into that wall because he had been brilliant before that and that derailed what was looking like another big season out of him. And Hanley's bat has had some lulls, 
but they've usually been due to injury. And then he bounces back. And so I think even at age 33, I'm in too. I know he's coming off of a huge year, but I, I'm, I'm willing to bet as well. So I think, I think Hanley becomes kind of a focus for us to lock up first base. I don't want to be swimming in the, in the mediocre pool for our starting first baseman. And in fact, I don't even know if I want to be swimming there for corner. Let's shift over to third base really quick. I think we can get a corner here as well. There are four in the top 12, so you know we might end up with one of them, and that would obviously change the plan at third base entirely if uh, if we ended up with like a if, if Arenado somehow dream fell, that'd be amazing. But I'm talking Machado or Donaldson are, are yeah. more likely for us. But then there's not one until pick 67. It, it, it jumps like it drops big time to Seager, Carpenter, Frazier. I actually like the mid tier here. Your Anthony Rendon, your your Alex Bregman, Michael Franco, Justin Turner, Jake Lamb. I'd like to get somebody out of that range if we don't end up with a big stud up front. And then we could probably get corner uh, via Ryan Healy, Michael Moustakis, Nick Castellanos, young Gervis Solarte. I think even a Travis Shaw with full time in Milwaukee could be interesting. What do you think about third base? <laughs> It has some depth. I, I too, like Bregman quite a bit this year. Uh, I'm a little down on Frazier. I'd rather not have to settle for a, a Todd Frazier situation. He's the one guy that I look at this list as my in the top ten. That yeah, no, I want to I want to avoid him, and he's the guy that I could easily slide down um, to get out of that. I do like you know, Jake Lamb. If memory serves me correctly, he really had some issues in the second half last year uh, as people adjusted adjusted to him a bit. I think there was also a nagging injury. I think he had a hand. Uh, you keep talking. I'm going to look that up. That's the piece. And then the guy that intrigues me is Yuli Gurriel. I don't know what his position has eligibility. He's listed as third base here. But it, he's, a, he's a complete wild card down there because he is um, – you know, he, he played five different levels with the Astros last year in, in the mm-hmm. system, but in each case, you know, he made a lot of contact, didn't walk, but didn't strike out a ton either. And I think when it, when you look at him, you see an ADP of two seventy, and they gave him a five year, forty seven million dollar deal for a reason. And, and if he hits the way they projected him to, this is a guy whose whose ADP is is well under representing where he could end up. Yes, um, uh... And and because that third base situation. I, there's a there's a argument to put him in the top 16. He's, he's he looks like Gurriel is going to be third base only uh, eligible wise eligibility wise, but he looks like he's going to play first base. And again, adding a adding an eligibility, I don't care if it's one that that isn't super necessary. I like it because then you have the flexibility to move around, and we can get free agents that we like. Uh, you know, because we can say, oh. We, we we have a spot at third base now because we can move Gurriel here. We can do this guy here. We can do all that sort of stuff. I like adding eligibility. So I'd be interested in, in like a Houston uh, third base corner there with Bregman Gurriel. I don't usually get too hyped on the shiny new toy, but Bregman is one that I'm interested in. I don't know, Jason. I just He looks like he has it, and I know that that's that whole intangible kind of bullshit, but – I watched this guy play, and I'm not the first to say this. Won't be the last. It's Dustin Pedroia, man. I, I see. Yeah, I'm, I'm sold. I'm sold on him, especially if he gets high in that lineup. If you put him right there with Altuve and around all the other stuff in that lineup, yep. that Astros lineup is going to produce a ton of runs this year, and it's going to be fun to watch. And as long as he hits up high, his value is going to skyrocket. Yeah, I, I I completely agree. I don't mind dipping in on this uh, on this offense as much as we can. In fact, you know, we didn't we, we're not going round by round or anything, but 
I'm going to shift from third to short real quick just to say that our second round could end up being Carlos Correa, and I would have no issue going right back to the well with him. He did not bust out like we like we thought he could, but he certainly wasn't bad. He's not the reason for our finish. Uh, the the 2096 with a 274 and 13 stolen bases, it was essentially a carbon copy of the 2015, uh, despite 54 more games. But you know, obviously more ribbies and, and runs. I, I was okay with that from a 21 year old. So I'd be, I'd be more than willing to go back to the well with him, uh, in the second round. And, and if right. we ended up with like one of those third basemen, if it was Machado Correa, I would love the way our, Machado Correa Cruz to start our draft. I'd be fun. I, I'd be drooling over that. Are you kidding me? Especially yeah, would if Machado be fun. started running again. That'd be great. By the way, Bregman went 61 in the mock draft to Jeff Erickson. And what's his ADP? Uh, 92. 92. So we need to bump that. <laughs> we need to, we need to ignore 92. that. And, yeah. I'm, and I'm okay ignoring that, by the way, because I, I, I think he deserves to be higher than 92. Um, his min pick in an NFBC draft is 71. I think we need to start slotting him around your boy. You, you said you, you're looking to replace Frazier. I think we slot Bergman yeah. in right there and, right. and, and imagine that he goes as the seventh guy. And so if we're not ready, uh, at that pick, we're not going to get him, but I think that that's, that's where we need to get ourselves ready. I mean, you have the, the, the also guys at, at corner of, of Healy and Mustakas, Cassiano, Solarte and Shaw. Solarte I like because he's going to hit cleanup in that lineup. Yep, and, exactly. and yeah, they don't have a ton of power, but there's going to be dudes on base. It's a volume so thing. I think, yeah, it's a volume thing for him. I think the same could be said. I don't know where they're going to, where, uh, the mayor of Ding Dong City is going to be hitting, <laughs> but I, I do like Shaw just because he's going to play. I mean, that you does... look at last year, they just give these guys opportunities to play. And uh, there's not that much depth on that roster, so they can let him go out there and do his thing. Yeah, he's got his limitations, but he can, he can volumize as well. VR was somebody, obviously, that they let play at a 25-year-old who they said, listen, we'll just let this guy play, see what's up, and he broke out. Now, does Travis Shaw's mayor- mayorship travel? Like the, the, Oh, I think it does. I think it's his Twitter handle, isn't it? I think so. Or no, it, it, it was Jared Kravis on, that made on, the nickname anyhow. Jared said it, and so I, I'm sure Jared's blessed it. I I, I hope it, it is just Travis underscore Shaw twenty one, but his, his baseball reference nickname is Mayor of Ding Dong City. I don't know that there is a Mayor of Ding Dong City in Milwaukee, especially with Chris yeah, Carter. Chris Carter's gone. <laughs> That's what I'm saying. So I yeah. think I think uh, Shaw slots right in perfectly. By the way, I'm all about. Uh, diving in on these garbage teams, Milwaukee and San Diego, the two that we're mentioning here, to to get some of their mid middle of the lineup solid guys who have clear paths to playing time. Somebody we didn't right. mention in the first base pool or the outfield pool, I think he's actually going to qualify at outfield coming in, is Eric Thames. And I believe that you were talking about him before he even signed back in November. You would brought him up as somebody that we should keep an eye on. Does this mean that he's somebody you're interested in drafting? Uh, I would if the price is right. I mean, there's a couple. I was going to bring back first base because there's a couple of things there. It's like we didn't really talk too much about it, but there is, you know, the Steve Pierce option who's going to qualify at a couple of positions. Who's, yeah. you know, I think first is, is labor 15 or 20 game eligibility. If it's 15, Pierce qualifies at second base. So we I should check on that. I think it's 15 and it's something that we forget uh, every once in a while. And you know what? I just wrote an article where it said, know your damn rules, Sporer. So yeah. I'm looking, I'm looking, hang on, hang on. 
Uh, there's also Kenneth Vargas for late power. I mean, there's there's some options there for power down there. There's also Chris Carter, but I think Chris Carter going to the Yankees actually hurts him. Um, I just don't see that clear path to playing time because I think has it'll boost here. his cost. That's it, yeah, it's yeah, a I weird do. dichotomy but, where I think I don't know if I use that word properly, but I think that it hurts him and it will boost his cost. So no thanks on Chris Carter. And I actually do like Greg Bird. You're right. We we did we did give short shrift here to first base. So I'm glad we're going back to it. It is just 20 games. Uh, it is the okay. standard 20 games. So he'll be first base outfield then. Um, but I, again, I do like, I do like him in that, him being Pierce, Pierce in that ballpark. I agree. In that, in that team as a late power option who has no ADP at the current, I mean, he's, he's 403. He's not even in a top 300. I think that's underselling him. Kenneth Vargas, if you think there's some pop there, uh, and those are some other cheap, late cheap power guys that about, I like uh, at first base. What about, uh, formerly Fat Adams? Are you buying in on, on his no. slendering? No. Okay. Okay. Fair enough. I, I don't, not. I've never been an Adams guy, but I, I find myself sometimes being a sucker for the spring training hype. Yeah. I, I'm just going to be honest with y'all. Sometimes I I see the picks and I'm like, ooh, Pablo Sandoval, fifth round pick. What's up? No, I'm just kidding. Um, but yeah, so okay, no no Fat Adams then. Form, formerly Fat Adams, uh, at least currently not Fat Adams. Um, let's jump over to shortstop then. We could end up with Correa with our with our second pick. Let's talk about that second pick then, because there are three shortstops who could be there, and I feel like we could take any of them, and it could really really set us up nicely. Correa. Seeger and VR. Would you want to take one of them with our second pick? Like, not as a settling, but like focus on that. Or are you looking elsewhere at shortstop? Let's assume we um, don't get Trey, right? We're yeah. not taking we're not taking VR if we get Trey, right? We don't need that many steals, right? Right, we don't. Um, yeah, it would be tough to overlook. Assuming I, I take them in the order that they're currently listed, if we have the option, uh, if Correa is taken away from us, I have no problem going Seager uh, with this. I mean, you would try to go, you know, then thinking down lower as a as a middle infield type of thing, since we didn't talk about him at second. Well, we haven't really talked about second base much at all yet. But um, Tim Anderson is is a guy that I have uh, that I'm really high on. Another as far guy. as somebody who can have his speed and possibly hit 10 homers and he's going to play because nobody else is, <laughs> nobody else is there to play around him either. But he's a guy that I like too. It's currently going one, he's the 13th shortstop off the board. Um, but a guy that I think is being underdrafted based on what he'll be able to do when it's all said and done. Okay. I, I, I like the names, especially from a speed standpoint and has a little bit of punch too. So, um, you know, it, obviously I want Addison Russell. But uh, it, it, it kind of depends what we do in these early rounds because I also really like Trevor Story uh, as a as a potential third round pick. Would you would you have any interest in that if if he made it? Because right now his ADP suggests that he won't make it. If he made it, sure. I mean, because the way I know we got off to the amazing start and hitting twenty home runs in the first week of April, and uh, then slowed down, <laughs> then slowed down a little bit. And obviously, the hand injury uh, is what did him in. But for the, a lot of the same points you make about Ian Desmond, apply here as well. Yeah, so I, I, we could end up with an early shortstop, but if we don't, I think we start looking at at Russell um, because I'll just pick him while you're going to the bathroom or something. That that I mean, it'll just happen. But then in the middle. 
I do like second round. Why is Addison Russell off our list? Oh shit! Oh, I I was looking for. I was going to queue up Addison Russell. You you can't (laughs) queue guys that are on our team, Jason. Why did you go get a drink? You shouldn't have left. This was your own fault. Um, But I kind of like uh, Dansby Swanson as a middle option too, because uh, we did just hear this morning from Buster Olney that Brandon Phillips will not push Dansby Swanson down. He will still bat second. He better um, not. <laughs> that would be horrific. So, you know, it, it, it's, it's like a, an 11th to 13th round guy. Um, I don't know if we need to fill middle that early given the depth at second base, but I, I certainly wouldn't be against it if, if we went that route with Swanson. Um, shortstop's interesting as well because it's one, another one of those that's really top heavy. You got six guys going in pick 32 or higher on average, and then the next one is 116. And actually, you could you could say seven. Trey Turner doesn't count there yet, but for, for most, he's going to be used as a shortstop. So just the consolidation of shortstops early uh, is interesting, and then it really jumps down from Trevor Story to Eduardo Nunez. Then you got Russell, Aladmus Diaz. You like Elvis Andrews. Tell me more about that because I've never been a huge fan, but then I look at, at, at what he does, and he, he he's pretty damn consistent in terms of just playing every damn day. That's the thing. He, I mean, he, there's only one season of the last six or seven where he hasn't swiped, uh, I think 20 or 25 bases, you know, in the second half last year with just getting on base like a monster. And again, why is he, I had him last year. I remember acquiring him and saying, okay, I need stolen bases and he's getting on base. You're like, dude, run. And then you, then we find out the sports hurting. Okay. That's why he wasn't running. Cause he said it hurt him the most on base running. Uh, so if he can, if those, these plate skills can continue and we know he's going to run because he's done it year after year after year. I think Elvis Andrews at 154 is a steal. I mean, whoever took him 114, kudos to you. I mean, yeah, no kidding. Uh, 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 to that point, but to me, Elvis Andrews is that guy at seven on this okay. list. I like him better than your Russell. Um, well, but you're stupid. I hate you, <laughs> especially this year with the speed and everything. We could uh, get he's my seven. We could get, both. he's my seven. Um, Okay, you, you've sold me a bit here. I, I'm, I'm more into it. I'm looking at these numbers too, and like I said, just the guaranteed playing time. Um, and it was 20 uh, or 25 that he hasn't done one time, and he, he went 21 that year back in 2012. But every other year, well, last year he only had 24. So basically, he's 20 plus every year. He's peaked in the 30s. Uh, one time hit 42 with a stolen base total. That was in 2013. We haven't seen more than 27 since. But you know, he could also he. he He's kind of rounding into more of a hitter too. 302 batting average was a career high last year. 439 slug was very easily a career high for Elvis Andrews. He's going to be 28 years old. Maybe he quote unquote only steals 24 again, but he continues to emerge with the pop and he hits, you know, 11 homers and, and drives in 70 plus for the first time in his career while scoring 80 plus or something. Then all of a sudden you're, you're really talking there, uh, with Andrews. So I'm, I'm getting more into it. I, I, I can I can totally dig it. Whereas, honestly, before this show, I would have said there's no chance. I, d- I don't want Elvis Andrews. So y- you sold me on that one. Addison Russell's still the best player in the league. Uh, what about Tulowitzki? Any love there? No. Okay. Honestly, no. No, that's um, fine. The health, the health issue, he wasn't the same guy once he went to Toronto. Um, no. I, 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 I'm not, I'm not hurt by that. That's not a situation where I'm like, oh, I gotta go to bat for Tulo. I'll have a share in some league this year, just, uh, just because he's still too low, but, 
I, I don't think we need to to make our mark here with with somebody like that. You know, if we start getting trumped on all these these guys that we're talking about in the middle infield, Brandon Crawford is is pick two forty five, and you talk about a guy who's just going to play, and it's not going to be flashy. It's going to be two sixty five and twenty, but I'll take that, especially as a middle, because mm-hmm. I'm assuming that he would be more of a middle than our starting shortstop. And I know he, he dipped down to twelve homers last year. So fine, split the difference between the 21 and and the 12, and and let's just say 16, 17. But with 80 something ribbies, 60 something runs, and and again like a 265, 270 average, I'll take that, you know, and and a few, yep. few stolen bases, that wouldn't be bad as a middle. All right, I love second base though. Let's Flip talk it to the other side because Man. the depth at second. That's that's where it's tough to to think that we're going to get a middle. Out of shortstop, as much as I like some of those guys, second base is just littered with with potential guys here. You got seven guys uh, going in the top fifty picks, and again, it could be eight. Oh wait, Trey Turner is counted there. Never mind, I thought he was counting counted in outfield. So you got seven in the top fifty. You got another one in Segura at fifty three. Kinsler seventy four. Two more still in the top one hundred with Lemayhew and Kipnis. So you got eleven in the top one hundred. Um, it, it is a very deep position this year. So unless, you know, somebody big at, at the top end fell, like if Altuve randomly fell, which is not going to happen, or, or Cano was, was in our laps in the third round somehow, if, if, if something like that doesn't happen, I just don't think we need to mess with second base until late. No, I mean, and that's kind of where I was hoping you would say. I mean, when I look at late, I love Devin Travis down there in our yep. 200. I, I, Really love Logan Forsythe. If there, if people are going to draft him down there, uh, if he's going to set the tape, he's going to hit first or second in that LA lineup, and that and that's going to give him plenty of runs. He is not a guy that's a he uses all parts of the field, power to all parts of the field. Um, used to be known as a lefty killer, but has progressively gotten better and better and better against righties the last couple of seasons. To me, my, one of my bold predictions was that he earns the most fantasy dollars of all. Offensive players in LA. Now it's a, re- it's a it's a bold. This is a huge bold prediction Very because bold. obviously for Corey Seager, but that's what the bold. That's the fun of making a bold prediction. But I think he finishes in the top three. But I love Forsyth late, and if you know he was down some point there, as long as somebody didn't snake, I'd even reach around uh, around maybe even two ahead to get him because I, I like say, him. I could, I could do two. I like him early. better than a lot of dudes in front of him. I like yeah. him better than Droya. I like him better than Zobrist. The older guys, uh, scope, we've been down that road before. Um, Peraza is going to be way gone by then anyhow. Uh, Peraza's but, not going 139, which is insane. And this may be, and this may be criminal, but I'd like Forsyth better than Kinsler. You're, I'm dead to you now, right? Podcast over. <laughs> I'm just kidding. Uh, the thing of it is, is I was always advocating for pod, uh, for, for podcasts, for Kinsler over Kipnis because, um, Kipnis was always going ahead of him. Kinsler's price was just so cheap. Now his price has kind of gotten to where it, it should be. And I'm like, well, now I'm not taking him because the, the, he's kind of going at market value and he's, he's a bit older at, at 35. I, I still like Kinsler. Because the the price disparity is so much, I totally get what you're saying. You really don't have to twist my arm on the Logan Forsythe thing. We liked Logan Forsythe in San Diego, if folks can believe that. For those that have been listening to us, uh, I think we drafted him that year. Towers of Power days. 
that we, we were talking up Logan Forsyth in Sandy freaking Ego. So this is not just a Tampa Bay Homer thing for Jason and, and we're both on board. So I'm, I'm completely comfortable. Even if he was our starting second baseman, I would have no issue. And I'm super high, uh, especially at his price on Joe Panic. I don't think there's any way that a healthy Joe Panic doesn't hit 290. Uh, there's nothing in his skills to suggest that he shouldn't have hit way better last year. I think a lot of right. it was bad luck. And he, this guy was a 300 plus hitter, 309 through his first, uh, 719 plate appearances, then hit 239 last year with no change to his strikeout and walk numbers. In fact, he took more walks than he had strikeouts. He did have a concussion, but the, the skills were, uh, shake, uh, the, the results were shaky before that, so I don't even think it was the concussion. I just think at age 26, this guy's completely forgotten. And if we took some batting average, uh, deficiencies early on, you know, earlier than, than his pick 300 or whatever, this would be a good way to make up for it. So I really want to focus on somebody like Panic, a Panic Forsyth, uh, second base middle, I would have no problem with. Yeah, there's, there's a lot to like down here. And, uh, and like I said, unless something happens where one of the top couple of guys fall, I'm completely fine ignoring this position and yep. picking up the guys later because there's just a lot to like down in the bottom the mid part of this the 15 to 25 range there's a lot to no, like no reason to reach there's just no and we didn't even name all the potentials so uh you know we're going to keep an eye on Forsyth and panic and then and then we'll kind of go from there but uh like I, I agree with you where you're saying we could bump Forsyth up and it wouldn't even be a reach at, at something like pick 200 considering his ADP is 240 that's insane right all right Pitching time. Pitching time. And we probably could have done our, our a whole podcast on this. What do you see as a plan for our ace? Well, um, what do I see as a plan for ace? I feel like we're going to end up with Justin Verlander as our ace. Are you taking how many because we're going to take taking in the first few rounds? <laughs> I mean, no. What I what I'm thinking is we're you know, offense in the first round, um, offense in the second round. Yeah. So then that cuts us to the third round. I don't want to. I don't want to go hitter, 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 and then grab a pitcher. Okay, that's just my personal thoughts. What, uh, if, what if it was Archer in the fourth? I know. I know. I mean, the, I was honestly color me a little worried about the whole World Baseball Classic coming off a year where he threw as much oh, as he did last year, and a year he threw as much as he did the year before. So. Um, no, I don't, I don't want him. Okay. Wow. This, yeah. you've changed. I don't know you anymore. <laughs> I, I, I'm, I'm a little worried about that. Little worried. Okay. Uh, what about so, price? That I'm fine with because, I mean, he continues to do what he does and, and, the, and the run, the run production in that offense plus the back end of that bullpen is going to be stupid good uh, with Thornburg and Kimbrell back there. He's going to stumble his way to another 17 dubs. He had an off year for him, and he had 17 yeah. dubs last year. Everything really was in order except the home runs, and the, and that, that made the, the, the ERA and, and, and whip go up. I I would take Price um, – as we're thinking through the first six rounds, though, as as we're thinking through the first six rounds, if we go hitter, hitter, coming out of the first six rounds, we got to do, we've got to do a, a, ideally, I would like to have four bats, a pitcher, uh, a pitcher and a closer. God, I love hearing you say that because my next topic was early closers, question mark. So you're in. 
on on. I'm one. in. I'm in taking a closer and for and shit. I, I took Ken Giles on the in the mock. Exactly. I'd take Ken yeah, Giles again. I would boy. do it again. Um, yeah, I can't quit Ken Giles, but. So I that about that's that. kind of where that's kind of where I'm leading. I want that starting pitcher in the third round versus the fourth round because I think that's the difference between getting that true number one Darvish? and then and then ending up with ending up with like the guy that we had last year. We ended up taking Carrasco in the third round we last did. year, we and we loved that. But he ended up getting hurt, and that's what killed us in that in that regard. But I would like if, if because especially we're taking towards the back half of the of the third round. Um, that's where I think we end up, you know, we end up taking, that's where we're going to be in that, in that Verlander, Cueto, Price, that kind of, that kind of range. And that's what I would like to do is get one of these guys that I could just pencil in. That's 200 innings and then take that closer and in the, in the, that would be later in the fifth and then come back and get Giles late in the fifth. So if you're looking for 200 plus innings, does that eliminate Darvish because he hasn't done it? Yes. Okay, so it is Verlander, Cueto, Price. I can get behind that. And if it's Cueto, that makes even more sense to take Giles or or one of the other stud closers because of the Ks that they're going to get. To well, I took Giles offset. in the sixth round. I'm sorry. I took Giles in the sixth round, not the fifth. If we take, so that's if, even better. If we focus on Giles, if, if there's a run on the Chapman, Jansen, Britton, who are, the, I think, the clear top three – yeah. Then I do think we can wait till the sixth to get Giles. I don't think I don't think we're gonna get trumped on him. I, th- I still think we're the we're the leaders in the clubhouse. I talked about it on Sirius uh, just last night. We're saying we've been on this train forever. We're not getting off now. Um, it, I think this is this is finally the year. And I know we've been saying that the last two years, but the skills are not in question. And in fact, outside of a bad start last year, he was he was nails. And um, I just now, I did take him. I did take him in front of Chapman and Britton in this mock. I know you did, but that's Jansen also was, Jansen was one, and then the other, and then O was in the middle. So what what I'm thinking though is on that swing. If if we let that sixth swing and try to and try to get it back. Um, Swing right, swing direction. Yeah, we try to come back in the, uh, I'm all over directions now. Let's see. One, two, three, four, five, six. Yeah, I took Carlos Martinez in the seventh round. So on that kind of swing, like that, if, if we were to say, if we, you know, if that was Chapman and then Britain, I think Giles goes in the top five and, and for us, maybe, maybe we are the highest on him. Maybe we, we have the most helium. We, we definitely are. Here's the thing. Right. I, I really think. Now I don't want to wait too long, right? I'm, I'm gonna get your guys' thing. So I'm not saying we just blindly follow the ADP and then we get sunk when somebody takes them ahead of us. I, I, I'm, I'm down to get Giles, but I also don't think that we have to completely reach in the fifth. I think, I think fifth is too high. We can get him in the sixth comfortably, I think. Um, and, and I, Edwin Diaz has not even been taken in this mock, by the way. It's pretty, it's pretty, well, here's the thing. This, this group, pushes down closers there are yeah, some that, in the group who don't like us and and it's and gone chalk though seven closers gone is the top seven oh, okay <laughs> how do you feel uh, about oh no i took that back uh kelvin herrera went uh mark Millet is eight clo- yeah there's one two three four there's eight closers so how, how and uh herrera is the- i'm fine with them okay because i love herrera too and would you be averse to getting both in the sixth and ninth, let's say. If Herrera went before that, if, if Herrera went as early as I took him, we would, I think we skip. In a va- in a vacuum, yeah, cause that definitely takes us out of the twelfth round to take another guy, but that, we can't, and that's we why we do it. Yeah, and that, but that's why, 
if I want to say that's why we've been doing these twelfth round picks because we've we've had that one closer, we've had one closer in the first eleven rounds, and then we're like, okay, do we take the guy that we know is going to get twenty saves, mm-hmm. or do we take the guy who has the upside to get thirty if the guy that the the suck guy in front of him sucks? Mm-hmm. Here's the I want to go back and look. I want to go back and look. Sorry for the keyboard noise. No, no. Um, it's fine. We're, yeah, we're typing on this. This is a little bit more free form than, than the normal pod, so hopefully people understand that we're going to be typing and all that sort of stuff. I, I want to see what that one, how that one played out. Um, well, if you're going to write an article about your guy, you need to at least put the uh, – let me go back again. I know this person did. It drives me nuts. But, hey, I did the draft. I'm like, could you link to it? Right. Could you let us know, like, what, what you actually Ah, here we go. Here we go. Mixed labor draft results here. All right. Come on, real time. Spray it out. Is oh, it, this guy's linking to this year. Yeah. It, <laughs> it, it already, it already flips. Oh, yeah, well. No, that's, okay. that's, that's the, that's the bummer here. Um, hang on. Oh, well. Where's my, maybe I have it. Maybe I have it. My, um, I've got my recap from last year. Okay. Uh, or we on. did the same thing where we both just linked to the other results. Yeah. But I, I want to feel like we've taken, we keep taking this, we keep making this same mistake because we're, we, we forget the second closer and then we're like, well, okay. Wait, um, did I write it? I, I wrote one in 15. Did I write one last year? I really did not. I wish, um, I, I wish they would keep the 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 draft orders on RT Sports. I don't know why they don't do that. I wish I really wish they would. Right. That that kind of bothers me. Well, I guess I didn't. I'm an idiot. Wait, we may have. I don't know. Hang on, nope, looking. it's the same line I came to last time. Somebody said we drafted caps. And... I don't. I didn't write about it last year. I suck. Or if I did, I didn't label it in a in a Google friendly way. Yeah, I didn't either. I don't see anybody. <clears throat> Everybody did the same thing. Labor, I have the 15 labor draft recap, um, but not the 16. Same here. This so, makes for great podcasts. Listening, folks. Yeah, we're just Google searching our, our stuff that doesn't exist. At any rate, I think we know what our issue is when we start, we, we, we start kind of betting on the next big thing when they don't have the job yet. Herrera is kind of a next big thing guy, but he has the job. Right, so so what we're really trying to stay out of is that uh, you know even Dallin Batances, not that we think he's going to get the job or anything, but somebody who doesn't have a job, uh, Nate Jones was a good one you mentioned, or trying talk, to guess. Right. What, well, you know, we Matt talked about Bush. our like of Jim Johnson. Yeah, and I and that's the thing, we don't have to go Giles Herrera because if we went Giles. I'm okay waiting for Johnson because he does have the job. We're actually taking the guy with the job who maybe has some risk uh, to lose it. But what is it? What do they say? The possession is nine tenths of the law or whatever. So we would be getting the guy who actually has the job, and I'd I'd be okay with that. Um, if we didn't, and 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 even you know going back to our crappy team thing, which I guess Atlanta is part of that. But uh, Brandon Maurer in San Diego. Yeah, wouldn't have an issue with. So, <clears throat> I'm saying if it worked out with with Herrera, I would I would be comfortable going Giles Herrera, say like six nine, uh, nice. But I'm, I don't want to force it. And, and Giles is our focus. I'm, I'm a thousand percent down with that. But uh, then beyond that, we kind of let the market dictate. But we're not going to get stuck trying to say Cal Bearclaw, 
Matt Bush, Daniel Hudson, right. the the next big thing, Mauricio Cabrera behind. You know, now if we got Jim Johnson, then we can go Mauricio Cabrera in the in in the reserve. By the way, did you see that stuff that uh, I, th- I think it was a comment on the podcast post about Mauricio Cabrera? Uh, there was a guy who did some a breakdown on some on his skills. And it showed his fastball to be a little bit better than we gave it credit for in terms of the swings and misses that it was getting and that we might have undersold him a little bit. So I just wanted to point that out. I still think still don't think still don't think he's a closer. I still think he's a uh um reserve pick at best. At best. Yeah. What about Neftali Fleas in Milwaukee sticking with the crappy team thing? He kinda got himself back on track last year. Uh crappy late, yeah. How old I do you think Neftali Fleas is? Thirty. He's twenty nine. Which obviously you weren't that far off. That just kind of surprises me. I think yeah. I did this with you or Eno before, but I just, I don't know. I thought he was like 33. I just hmm. thought I, he started at 21 though, so he's, he has been around for a long time. I mean, if we want to take, if if we want to go and and try to take one of these guys uh, late, if if you know one of these relievers late late in the draft, we think may close. I think Felipe Rivero is a guy that I like uh, in in Pittsburgh. In Pitt. I like him quite a bit. Because this stuff is really nasty. You don't like Daniel uh, Hudson? It, that's a reserve ground. To take that job? I, I, I liked him last year. I picked him as my guy to lead the, the Diamondbacks in saves. disastrous stretch, Jason, where I think yeah, he allowed, I owned him. <laughs> yeah, I think he allowed 24 earned runs in nine innings. I think it was – I'm not even exaggerating. I think it was something that utterly ridiculous. But before and after, Hudson was amazing. And so I actually – I don't want to undersell Watson, by the way. Watson could just hold the job. That That's not out of bounds at all. Um, but I, I, I'm looking at, yeah, nine and two-thirds, 26 earned runs. This was from June 23rd to August 2nd. Before that, Daniel Hudson had a 155 ERA, and after that he had a 166 ERA. So if it wasn't for nine and two-thirds of the most utterly disastrous innings that you could think of, his numbers would look a hell of a lot better. So I actually like him a little bit more as the uh, the closer in waiting in Pittsburgh. But I don't know that that's a distressed situation because I think Watson could actually just, just hold it. I mean, because of Rivero's a lefty and they have Bastardo, they don't need Watson to not close to have a lefty, right? To, to, to your right. point about how nasty Rivero is, he's going to work as the loogie if he has to. And even... Even as a non-loogie, he can do full on. By the way, at, just as you say it, Edwin Diaz goes to uh, Derek Van Riper in that mock, and then there we uh, go. Nando's up, and then you. By the way, but anyway, so I think we have because I would have taken I would have taken Diaz if he was still sitting there. By the way, <laughs> I, I, I don't blame you. I think he's a total stud and could be a backup plan if somebody snaked us on Giles. Uh, because it, here's the thing: we're not publishing this till after the draft, but everyone's going to know we like Giles. Like that that's that's a thing. Everyone, yeah, it's knows no that. secret. Um, all right, let's shift over to the to to what we really love to talk about, which is starting pitchers. I think we have a closer plan in place. We're going to have an ace closer, maybe a secondary ace, but if not, we're going to bottom feed and uh, and supplement it in the reserve rounds. So, let's talk pitcher. I'm I, I wasn't sure where you were going to say on the ace plan. So the fact that you're talking Cueto, JV, or Price, I'm in. I'm in. Let's do it. Let's get that 200 inning stud. Um, who, you know, is not flashy. No one's going to be oohing and on when we take them. But uh, all three of them are, are strong assets that I feel very comfortable with. Uh, of course, JV as well. But how do you rank them? Because I think I, I go Price, JV, Cueto, or Price, I don't know. I, I'm having a tough yeah, time. Yeah, Cueto, I take third. 
I take Cueto third. I just um, want more of the strikeouts from the other ones. I'm with you. I'm with you. So I, I think we'll go Price, JV, Cueto, and uh, you know Price and JV are, are, are pretty close for me. I love JV. All right, let's talk breakouts. Uh, here's a few names that I've got. Let me know who you like on this list and others that you might want to add to it. Then we're going to do some upside youth, bounce backs, late unders. Breakouts, Steven Matz, Kevin Gosman, weird that I would mention him. Sean Manaya, Totally weird. Matt Moore, weird that I would mention him. John Gray, Carlos Rodon, James Paxton, weird that I would mention him. A lot of weird names here. Pretty much a yes across the board with Paxton being my favorite of the bunch. Okay. Um, but I know we're not going to be alone there. We're definitely not going to be alone, and so I'm going to look at his um, – his his 192 ADP and I think we should slice 30 picks off of that. I think we yes. should operate with him as a as a 160 guy, which puts him right around Gosman uh, in terms of 38th pitcher. Gosman's 38th, then Urias is 39th, and right in between those two in our in our new ADP that we're making up, I think you got to put Paxton right there because I think that that's where he's going to actually go as opposed to this. This awesomely late round 51st pick that or 51st pitcher that'd be amazing. I just don't see it with this group. No, I, I can see. Oh, I can see Paxton going in the top 30. That would be right now. He's 51st in starting pitcher, and he's a 192 top 30 puts him at 130. Would we? Would we be the ones to do that? Depends. What else is there? That's like I mean, I like I pick. like him quite a bit. I like him quite a bit, and okay. I could, I we could go up the chain and say, yep, yep, like him better, like him better, like him better, like him better, like him better. Um, I don't have a problem doing it. Let's do a little. <laughs> let's do a little bit of that then. All right, we'll start. Let, so start at let's start at uh, twenty five. Okay, Quintana, Jose Quintana. Quintana. It's Q for me, but it, it's not fun. where he goes. Yeah, not, if he stays in Chicago, I don't want him. That's fair. If he goes somewhere you know, else, he goes somewhere else. His value his goes up. The skills are great, and he just hasn't. The the wins have not been there because uh, of lack of offensive support for the most part, and really awful middle relief. And so yep. they couldn't get the ball between uh, him and, uh, and Jones, Jones and, and Robertson. Robertson. Yeah, Tehran. Tehran. I still favor Tehran there. Porcello. Uh, Paxton. Yep. Garrett Cole. Cole's an interesting bounce back. It's a health piece, right? Uh, here's the thing. If Cole comes in looking sharp in spring training, his ADP goes up 30 picks. Yes. Easy. Rich Hill? Uh, Paxton. See, the, the, so we've already said Paxton for three of the first five guys yep. from 25 to 30. That's kind of what I'm getting at. No, I think, and, um, <laughs> you, we can keep going. Salazar, it's very close. I think I'll go Paxton. They both have health concerns, but I think Paxton's have been more, have been less arm related. And, and Salazar's have all been like arm and elbow related. Alex Reyes is comically overdrafted at, at, at pitcher 31. I love Fulmer, but I think I'll go Paxton. They're at least very close. To transition a little bit here, since we're, we're pretty locked in on these breakouts, I feel like we're going to draft multiple from that list that I just gave. Yeah. First off, are there any other breakouts that, that you want to talk about? Um, that aren't already listed in other categories on this. They are already listed in other categories of people that I like. Um, I we didn't have Taiwan Walker listed down, did we? Yeah, we do. Or am I overlooking that? Okay, I'm uh, sorry. He's on the upside youth. Upside youth. I have reading comprehension issues right you're there. Fine. First one. Fine. Um, I'm, I'm surprised your boy. Uh, nope, he's there too. I, I just didn't read well. Okay. Um, 
Bundy with the bringing the cutter back. Yeah. Off the shelf. And, and still like a forgotten man. I kind of love Bundy at the picks that he's been going. This is another guy who I think has 30 plus round movement if he comes into spring training and just starts getting the buzz. Like he goes from pick 275 to, I don't know, maybe, maybe pick 200. Like he could go 75 oh. picks. This is the kind of mover. And so if we, I'm not saying we're going to get him all the way at 275, but if we get him at the 250 range, I'm in. I mean, um, Finnegan, I like, even though the run support's really going to be tough. Put him on, uh, I just put him on the sheet. Okay. I just put him down. Finnegan's a guy there. Like, uh, maybe it's cause it's John Gray light and it's a cheap comp because of the team, but Tyler Anderson really intrigues Love me. Tyler Anderson. Okay. You don't, you don't have to sell me on that one. I, I, right, I wrote good. him up two different times last really, year. Really, really intrigued by Tyler Anderson this year. Um, I, I totally agree. Okay. So um, that's those are kind of kind of guys. I mean, it feels like we're getting too deep for a 15 team mixed league with reserves, but maybe who knows how that that all shakes out. But yeah, those I are mean, some of the other guys I like but that we haven't that aren't already on here that we haven't talked about. Picks, so I mean, we're yeah. gonna we're gonna go deep. Let, let, let me shift to the bounce backs real quick because uh, as we were doing that kind of uh, Felix, or excuse me, I gave it away. That Paxton thing, we reached Felix at, at pitcher 33, and that's where I'm like, okay. That's interesting to me. So on bounce backs, I had Garrett Cole, who we already talked about, Felix Hernandez, Adam Wainwright, Dallas Keuchel, Sonny Gray. First off, how do you feel about that group in general? And then I'll get into the Felix versus Paxton thing. I'm, I'm like nonplussed by most of that group. I I don't know if you haven't refreshed. I added bounce backs. I put Smiley and and Pinata on there, unless you just said them. No, this is just a um, word doc. So we, you, you, okay. Your updates aren't going to show for me. So who did, Sorry. who did you put? Smiley and who? I put Drew Smiley and Michael Pinata. Oh yeah, freaking Pinata. Just bounce backs. I think we talked. We talked about both of them. Um, because uh, of where they're maybe going. Maybe two stuff. episodes ago. Yeah. Yeah. Maybe Especially where they're Pineda going price wise. It's just with because the skills are just like I said. We know it's all there. And with Smiley, really like the outfield defense. He was hurt a lot. Hurt badly last year with with um, Kiermaier being out and a lot of the fly balls becoming. Uh, base hits instead of outs as he was used to. He's gonna have a really nice outfield defense for him. Uh, and I, I, I like Smiley this year's bounce back considering where people were on him last year. And then he disappointed. That's kind of a guy that I wouldn't mind getting late again with Pineda because you know the different skills pieces are there. Uh, and he may end up with the most strikeouts of the bunch. Here's the thing. Uh, as far as Pineda goes, He's not going to go as late as, as his average draft position, though, because uh, I think there's too many people in the league who who really like him. Yeah. So I I, I think that that's somebody that uh, we would have to bounce up. Not that we couldn't. There's some wiggle room there, even though I've been I've been pretty heavily against him. Uh, I think this Fangraphs team is still going to be Podhorzer, and I know Podhorzer likes Pinata, so we're going to have to be careful on that one. So would you take Paxton over Felix? Yes. I don't think I would. By the way, it but, is going to be potholes for drafting. Yeah. Okay. So the pinata, we got to move up a decent bit then. He's, he's backed him to the hilt. So, uh, we would have to move him up if we were going to take him. I, I feel a comeback season out of Felix or Wainwright. I don't know why. I just do. Um, here's the thing though. There's so many other guys in that, in that group that we talked about that I like Paxton over anyway. That I, I don't have to dig in on on Paxton versus Felix because we could take Paxton over one of those other guys, 
and still maybe circle back and I can try to talk you into Felix. Um, I, I don't think it would have to be a battle between those two, but I, I, I wouldn't mind balancing some of our youth, uh, with, with a more staid guy. Obviously our, our first guy is going to be a 200 inning lockdown stud like, uh, Cueto, JV or Price, but then I still feel, I still like Felix is going to have the innings. I feel like maybe, maybe a cutter's the answer for him too, since that four seamer just doesn't have the heat. We'll start cutting it up a little bit. Uh, and the changeup's still great. Even though there's only three mile per hour difference, his, his changeup was still awesome. So, yeah. I, I don't know. I, another one I like who's way cheaper is Sonny Gray. And I've always liked Sonny Gray, but I've always thought he was just overpriced, uh, as like a top 20 pitcher. And, and then he just completely fell off last year. It's health. I get it. And, and health is still a concern. But where he's going as like a fiftieth or later pitcher, do you have any love for Sonny Gray? At that price, I'm okay with it. I'm, he's okay. not somebody that I'm targeting, but uh, at the price, if he's going to be down that low, sure. Okay. Resound, resounding endorsement for Sonny Gray for Jason. I'm just kidding. <laughs> All right, excuse me. Let's talk late rounders um, because I mean we're going to have to go. Let's see. This goes. Uh, goes 435 picks deep so those guys that we were talking about are all well in line to be drafted even somebody like a mike fulton uh who we who we put on that list and you talk tyler anderson three pick 371 he's slated to be picked there uh, or to go in this draft the names i have on this list are nova i have a nova who we've discussed before yes matt shoemaker who we've also discussed alex cobb who of course we discussed lance lynn Wei-Yin Chen, Shelby Miller, and I added Michael Waka, who's also going obscenely late. How do you feel about the late round group? Um, love Nova a lot. I yeah, mean, it, I, basically, I to caps, me, it's, it's, it's Nova, it, yeah, it's Nova, Shoemaker, Cobb, and then, okay, after, and then Robbie Ray is another name to consider there, just because you don't, yeah, we know he's got his issues third time through the lineup. But 200 strikeouts is still 200 strikeouts. He's, he's and gonna even be, if he falls down a little bit, that's still 180 strikeouts. Exactly. He's going to actually be higher probably in the, either the upside youth or the breakouts, though. He's going right around Pinata at pick 218. I think he's another guy that uh, Podhorser likes. I'm putting him on the list under breakouts. Um, and when we did the Ray versus Pinata, I've come around a little bit on Ray. I could be talked into it. You don't fake your way to 200 strikeouts, though. You just don't. And right. so even though I've been against him because he allows way too much hard contact, we've both actually been against him. But I think this is you know, a, a, a decent lesson. And you can be against a guy, generally speaking, but at a certain price. You know, Like they say, everyone has their price. For what he's done with 200, 200 strikeouts – and looking like somebody who you can feel comfortable you're going to get at least 180 innings out of, I, I, can, I can do it. I could do it with Ray. Uh, oh, that was an interesting phrasing. Uh, I, I, could, I could pick Ray. I, I, could, I could see that for sure. But I love Nova as well on these late rounds. Are we not doing him. phrasing anymore, people? Are, are we not? Uh, phrasing! <laughs> I, we, need, we need to get drops. We, we need to get producers <laughs> so they can just do drops when I say that, that, that great stuff. Um, but, yeah, Nova, Shoemaker, Cobb, all in on, on those. I, I like I said, I still love Waka. It's it's health. It's not skill with this guy. It's really not, at least not as far as I'm concerned. And he is dirt, dirt cheap. Uh, I actually listed this other guy in the upside youth, but he's going super late. I don't think Jose Barrios is done. I mean, he's had five seconds in the majors. 
And so I think if he's the forgotten man, I would like to take him in uh, reserve round capacity. Yeah, there were enough numbers about him last. I, I think Gleeman wrote a post about him. Somebody wrote a post about like the arm angle, how he was showing the baseball and his arm angle dropped yeah, he was a lot for sure. And yeah, here's the thing. He still pitched well in AAA. It's not like it was a complete flame-out season. And that heartens me a bit that he was still getting everything done. It wasn't just good results. It was good skills. All the skills were still there in AAA. So whatever he had was enough to still fool them. So the stuff was still good. But when major leaguers know it's coming, it doesn't really matter what you're throwing. If they're tipped off to it, it's game over. So I like Barrios as well. Again, I want to balance the the uh, stability with with uh, with uh, veterans with some youth upside like i think sometimes we get a little too youthy and 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 if we don't pan out on everything then that's why we end up in the middle of the pack or or lower and i think that that's happened particularly on offense and pitching i'm i'm more open to some of the younger guys for sure phrasing but um with 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 the hitting i think we definitely have to be smarter about about getting some veteran presence that's why somebody like a Nelson Cruz does appeal to me. But but on the pitching, I'd still like to balance it out a little bit as well. That's why a Nova, you know, like a Nova and Barrios combo, I really like. We have upside with a veteran and upside with youth while also having some stability that I feel like Nova's going to throw at least 150 solid, you know, upper threes ERA innings. Not necessarily as a worst case. Of course, when you're talking about a fourth, fifth starter, there's always a, a worst, worst, a worst, worst case. But I think that that's a, pretty decent low end projection for for Nova with the with the ability to do much more. If if we're lo- trying to predict the pick that sends me off the edge when Howard Bender strike when snipes us, it's going to be when he takes Avon Nova in like the 20th round right in front of us. If that son of a bitch takes Avon Nova, it it will, it will be it will be on when we get to New I was York City. Say, the New York City massacre Kellyanne Conway will be talking about will actually be a real tragedy. And it will have happened when I take all the food in sight for Howard Bender and he doesn't get to eat any of it. None of it. And I will pick it up and lick it. It's I'll drop mine. it on the floor. I don't, I don't even want it. I don't even want Oh, that's a great burger that you just ordered from Foley's. Punted. <laughs> I will just punt it in the middle of the restaurant if he takes Ivan Nova. I, I'm not. I'm not dealing with Bender's shit this year. Pardon my. I'm gonna. Language. I'm gonna figure out what his favorite beer is. I'm gonna call ahead and talk to Damien and be like, Damien, see this guy's Train. picture. That guy does not get served that Train beer. That You're tab. out of it. You're out of it. And then I want you to give me a picture of that said beer, right in front of him. And be like, guzzle. Done. Done, Bender. You're done this year, dog. You're done for. Um. So that about wraps it up. You know, hour and 45 minutes here. I think we've come out with, with some, some ideas that, that we're focused on. We're going to go hitter, hitter, almost guaranteed. Is there any pitcher that falls in the second round that you would want to take? Any pitcher that falls in the second round that I would want to take. If, if Bumgarner was there, would you be like, we have to take him? Or, nope. uh, okay, good. So we're, if, we're, if Scherzer, if Scherzer is sitting there that particular late, he is the only guy that would make me change my, change my path. And I, I could, honestly. I could get on board with that. I think it's purely hypothetical, though. I don't see it happening at all. But if it happened, we're on board together. We can do that. And then that third-round pick just becomes another hitter, and we're right back on track. The good thing is we have plenty of time to adjust our strategy in between our picks. Uh, not that we're picking at the end. I think one year we picked 14th or something we stupid, did. or even the wheel. Um, so, yeah, at least this time we don't have to wait. 
too long in between picks. Yeah, I, I kind of like it, and, and it will give us some time to kind of continue to, uh, to to morph here. I feel like we haven't had as distinctive plans as maybe we should have in the last three years because we do think the same, and we, we kind of know where we're at on everything, but talking it out I think is going to help us. So uh, we're ready to finally bring home that crown. I think we've got a winning plan here. Um, you know, it, it, we don't do a set in stone plan because it just takes one Howard Bender to completely blow it up. That's why we've, we've co- covered so many different names and ideas that we want to go for and, and backups to those guys. You know, you don't, you don't get Devon Travis. You just get Logan Forsyth. You, you, you don't get, uh, some big batting average guy you like. You just get, you just get Joe Panic to, to secure it. Somebody wants to go too crazy on Alex Bregman. That's fine. Then we'll take Michael Franco. I don't, I don't mind. Um, I think there's a lot of options. For the paths that we want to take. And, All I know uh, is we're tying up about five hours of people's listening time on Tuesday. Between this one that's going an hour and 45. Yep. And the, and the live feed for those who want to listen all the way through it. And I feel like they're going to love it. <laughs> we got so much good feedback last year from it. We had to redo it. But I think this year the combination of, of this... All right, this is what they talked about. Now let's see how they executed it is going to be fun. Exactly. And it will be a lot of fun to, you know, some of these names that we said, oh, we really want to get him. We got to focus on him. And then we're going to see how it goes. So, Jason, I will talk to you tomorrow evening. And uh, we, will, we will have these posted on Tuesday for everyone to listen to. All right. All right.